This is an interview on Sunday, April 25th, 2021, with Villains by Nick Perkel. Now, Jessica, were you involved in choir when you were younger? And can you tell me any sort of music schools you were a part of growing up? Sure. Yeah, so uh, when I was younger, I kind of, like, avoided school choirs because when I was, like, really young, my voice was really powerful and so I always liked being really flashy and being like a soloist. So when I was much younger, I didn't really do a lot of school choirs. But then um, as I got older, uh, one of the music, I did a, I did a bunch of musical theater uh, conservatories. So one of the musical theater conservatories that I did was the Paper Mill Playhouse Summer Conservatory um, as a kid. And a lot of the, yeah, a lot of like the, singing that I had done in large groups was in uh, theater. So that's where I had a lot of uh, my experience singing in groups coming from, but not necessarily choirs. Now, um, Kareem, can you tell me about getting your first guitar? It it took me a a couple of starts at playing guitar. The very first guitar I used to play was my mom had – a nylon string with all the note names stickered on the side of the neck. So I used to take that out of her closet and mess around with that. Then uh, my first actual guitar, it was like a black court uh, electric guitar. But at the time, I was still pretty, I'm not exactly sure how old I was, but I was pretty young. So I played that for some months, but then I really wanted a BMX bike. So my parents were kind of like, well, it's either or. And I was like, I really want this bike. And so I got this like really sweet bike and I was racing BMX for a while, but I was, I was pretty good. My first time playing guitar, my friends were like, man, you should get that guitar. You should get another guitar. And so then my first guitar that I really stuck with was a Kramer Striker. Kramer Striker. Blue, like sort of like a blue bowling ball. I can't believe that I had that guitar. It's really not very good to play. Oh, and then mm-hmm. also, and a, and a babysitter had given me a, an old K, like a Sears guitar. And the strings <laughs> were like two inches off the neck. And <laughs> they had no idea what to do with that one, which now, of course, I would think is really cool. But so yeah. Kramer Striker is the first guitar I really dug into. Now, were you involved in any music schools or have any private tutors to learn guitar? I don't, I don't know what grade it was, but um, when I was a kid, I went to a National Guitar Summer Workshop for a few weeks, and that was sort of, I had, I had already been playing, and I had a, a teacher at home, and my mom was a singer, so I kind of was around music already, but when I went to National Guitar Summer Workshop, uh, that was like the first time I really studied theory and got like sort of heavy into it, and all the guitar players there were awesome. Yeah, you know, guys like Vinnie Moore, so that would come and play. And there I met Harry Jacobson, who, who was my uh, private teacher in New York for, for some time after. And he was just a phenomenal teacher, really. Most of what I know uh, came from Harry Jacobson. Now, for both of you, um, thinking about the Power EP, what albums in your personal collections did you find you listened to the most when you were composing these songs? We were listening to Random Access Memories, the Daft Punk sure, album, sure, sure. a lot. I was also listening to 1999 Prince a lot at that time, too. What about you? We were, we were listening to, like, Justice, Genesis. We were, we were listening yeah. to a lot of really rhythmic stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. We weren't listening to stuff that really... To Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson. Yeah. 
we were taking specifically it. for Light Giver. I was listening to a lot of Michael Jackson at the time. Yeah, um, yeah, we were really into <laughs> rhythmic. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Punk Justice. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of random stuff. And then we would then we would go on little jags where we'd listen to like Ozzy and Dio and that stuff. We, we've always kind of done some of that. Yeah, Blizzard of Oz, Diary of Mad Men. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we go back and forth and we listen to to rock stuff. But then when we were when we were hanging out, we were, we were listening to more rhythmic stuff. I think. Mm-hmm. Now, Jessica, you ever seen Cindy Lauper live? And what is your favorite album from her? I have kind of a funny story about Cindy Lauper. So when I was like eighteen or nineteen, I snuck into Howard Stern's sixtieth uh, birthday bash at Manhattan Center, <laughs> and I met Cindy Lauper. <laughs> And um, it was like, it was definitely like a weird minute for me to like meet her because first of all, I wasn't supposed to be there. And like, I was like nervous that I was going to get kicked out or whatever, but I'll never forget that. <laughs> um, and I, I don't, I feel like she might've gotten on stage that night once, like as a, as a guest thing with a bunch of people, but I'm not, I have a bad memory, so I can't really remember, but I've never like actually seen her live in concert. Uh, yeah, but that was a really cool moment. And I would say my favorite album, I've just, I've been listening to She's So Unusual a whole lot. I just feel like it's such a great album. Um, I love her. I just love her vocal tone and on that on that record. I mean, so yeah, that's one I've been really loving. Do you have a home studio and can you tell me a bit about it? We do. We do. We, um, we work out of um, Ableton Live mainly. Um, which is, I, I just started using Ableton uh, a while ago. So uh, mainly we use Ableton and there's, how do we describe this? There's a lot of guitars and and, and uh, some synths. We do a lot of drum programming here. Um, uh, it, there's not too much to say about it other than Ableton's at the center. And we've got a lot of toys that we use and, Mm-hmm. And, like we cut vocals here yeah, and guitars, yeah. and we mic your guitar amp here. Yeah, yeah. you mic your guitar. Oh yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I <laughs> mic your guitar amp here. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah so we're, we're stoked with it though. We've we've, we've been uh, really focused on the sounds we've gotten out of here. Where did you record the Power EP? And for each of you, what song was the most rewarding for you once you finished the final product? So we recorded all of our instruments and sound design here at Villains HQ. Um, And then we had uh, Gunnar Olsen perform and record drums remotely in his studio suite. And then we had it mixed uh, by an amazing mixer, Josh Below, and then mastered by an amazing mastering engineer, uh, Chris Geringer. So we definitely uh, figured out our own process for this record which we're really stoked about um and i would say the most rewarding song on this record oh god i mean there's like they all feel so rewarding just because like the songs have come such a long way i mean i i would say really what do i feel what do you feel what's your i i I might say just um the power itself only because Mm -hmm. there was a time when uh, for anybody to the record, the, the power, um, the, the track, the power is sort of a um, departure from like a verse chorus song. It's sort of like a, 
its own standalone thing and it's a part of our live show. And early when we were deciding what we wanted to do, we weren't sure whether we were just going to put um, straight up songs or, or if we were going to do some of the crazier stuff from our show. So when we decided to do that, it was kind of like a, a big choice and the way that turned out is really pretty, pretty stoked that we did that. Yeah, yeah. I would say also let's break some shit uh, because that song is really weird and cool yeah, and yeah. like what we were going for. I feel like we really got it. So and it really like came into its own recording the way we did. Mm-hmm. Like we've never quite had that song fully until now. Right. I mean, like yeah, I yeah. like I've never had a vocal tone like that on a record before. Like something like Light Giver was more straight up because yeah. it was more like a rock vocal. Yeah. yeah. And and like a song like that was just totally different and weird. Yeah, those yeah. Now I remember in our last interview you spoke about writing a lot of music on long drives. You still doing that or are you composing differently now? Are we writing uh, there's there's still a lot of long drives and stuff. Um yeah. but we, we're doing a lot of listening now. <laughs> yeah, we're doing a lot of listening and we already have just a really pretty crazy amount of songs written that um, we want to take care of recording and releasing. So we, we kind of tend to try not to focus too much on writing when we still have material to record and release. So we do a lot of listening. Yeah. We've, we've been doing a ton of listening Mm -hmm. on our surf trips and like just just filling ourselves with new inspirations and, and, and enjoying music. You know, Mm -hmm. we spent a lot of time when we're working on, records or playing a lot of shows or this and that. So I guess also this past year we've been uh we've been digging a little bit. We've been like mm-hmm. more getting into some roots and like yep. working on our playing and, and hanging out and reading music together and just being like, musicians. Yeah, just geeking out, like enjoying uh not running around quite as much and yeah, we're just we just enjoying music in our like enjoying. Mm-hmm. You ever bring anything like a task cam field recorder when you're traveling? Uh, no, I mean, I have a task cam <laughs> recorder. <laughs> yeah, that's a smart idea, though, Nick. I don't know. Maybe we should, <laughs> we should it, do it. It kind of feels like there were times when we used to uh, write uh, driving where Jeff would have some melodies, and there was a lot of voice memos going on. So it's yeah, and pretty much the voice memos, yeah. like the modern task cam That's true. That's true. Like, like, for instance, on Do It For The Thrill, when we wrote yeah, that song, Kareem's like, send me that voice memo that you've recorded. Or can you send the melody you were singing earlier today? And so I just sent him a voice memo. And then he like, he like made this amazing demo of the song from the voice memo that I sent him. And I was just completely blown away. But yeah. <laughs> so our phones have kind of taken that place, I guess. Jessica, for you, what is your method for composing lyrics? Um, I have to really feel something. And it has to be truth. It's like, uh, I never want to write just to write. It's got to be real. It has to be emotionally there. And then once it's emotionally there, then, you know, I can, we can play around and tie it to some metaphor. I mean, Kareem and I write a lot of lyrics together. Sometimes I'll come with an idea. Sometimes he'll come with an idea that, yeah, one of the cool things about us as a team is that our lyric writing is pretty cool. I, I've never 
I mean, just being together and writing lyrics has been the coolest experience. <laughs> we're, really, we're really into that part, and we're, we're really into song titles. Yeah, song concepts. How they all connect to each other. One of the things I like to do, too, is have always have a list of conceptual ideas. So that way, when I am feeling something real and legitimate, then I can take a look at some of the concepts I previously thought were cool and uh, then somehow tie that into what I'm feeling emotionally. So what kinds of things have the both of you done to stay musically active last year? And what are your feelings on places like the Stanhope House opening back up again in recent days? Well, in terms of staying uh, musically active, so in terms of, obviously we finished uh, our EP and released the EP, so that was a big part of what kept us busy. Then also having... Uh, like we're saying before, having a little bit more time, uh, we've been digging in and, and just, I don't know, listening to different things and, and playing different things from from a more, more uh, simpler place than things we would do live, just just us together uh, playing music, playing old songs and stuff. Um, in terms of places being open, we kind of feel like, you know, it's, everybody needs to sort of figure out what they're comfortable with and we're all sort of figuring it out as we go. So uh, we're stoked and supportive of people who are uh, making a run at it. And, and also, you know, every, I think every venue is going to be different. Every um, artist and act is, is going to be different in terms of when they feel comfortable and under what circumstances. So we're just, we're sort of taking a wait and see, but we're supportive of people trying to open up and make things happen. I guess for each of you, what is your favorite um, tri-state area Urban legend or ghost story? Oh, Tristan. Or, or whatever <laughs> you want to go with. Because, I mean, like, we're in New York, New Jersey, and sometimes, like, Pennsylvania, just because, like... Yeah, uh, that's true. Uh, like, Pennsylvania. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll go okay. first. Um, right. Uh, so, anyway, I was going to say, I grew, I, I grew up more with the uh, Three Finger Willie campfire stories. Which that, I think that's, like, not that... That's a pretty known thing. But... In terms of tri-state area, I did know a uh, filmmaker who made a movie about uh, Cropsey, and that's like an old Staten Island legend that might have some truth to it or not. And, and I, I did not know that story when I was a kid, but I came to know a little bit more about it as people were digging and making this movie. And, but yeah, and then for me personally and my friends, a lot of the urban legends were a little more... Uh, in the city were more about the subway. So there are like train lines that close, like the K line. Any mm-hmm. New Yorkers will know the K line. We used to call it the kill line because they closed. They used to run on, uh, I guess, Central Park West. And so a lot of the urban legends were more uh, just stuff about, you know, going down the subway, the closed lines and that sort of stuff. That's really cool. <laughs> those, are, those are really cool urban legends. Mine is like kind of dumb, but. Like, when I was a kid, and I, like, started knowing who Kiss was, like, when I was, like, real little, somebody put in my ear that, like, if Gene Simmons put his tongue back in his mouth, that he would, like, die or something. (laughs) So, So I thought I believed that for years. Like, it was, like, believing, like, in Santa Claus, you know, when you were little. Like, I believed that Gene Simmons always had... His tongue I, I hanging out of his mouth. I, 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 I definitely did not understand he's a rock band. I was like, yeah. 
Way darker than that. <laughs> Would you like to go back to any questions? I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah, I think we're good. Final words. Um, make sure to check out our new debut EP, The Power, at villains.com slash the power, or on iTunes, Spotify, da da da. Check out um, the video for Like Giver. Yes, we put a music video for our song Like Giver. Um, and follow us everywhere on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're at Villains Official. Thank you. This has been an interview with Villains on Sunday, April 25th, 2021, by Nick Perkel. <laughs>